And we're live here at the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal, and I'm joined by James Dean, creator of Triple Xmas, XXXmas, which I'm very excited about. I have a soft spot for uh, Christmas horror films, so yeah. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm excited. I it's it's so weird. Like I, I've tried to like push myself to be creative and like come up with ideas sometimes. And when I push myself, like nothing, nothing good comes of it. And the idea just like dawned on me and I was like, Oh my God, like I love Christmas horror. And right now everybody's doing Christmas horror. So maybe that's a good, it's either a good sign or a bad sign. Like standing right. out from everyone else is going to be hard, but um, there's so many small things I can't talk about, about the film that make me so excited that definitely make it stand apart from other ones mm-hmm. um, that I've never seen in a Christmas horror film before. So it, it's tough to navigate my excitement versus how much I talk about some of these things that, I'm not going to disclose, you know, right. <laughs> well, there's two things there. Uh, the fact that there are so many means that people like them. So that's good. Right. But true. like you said, you also want to stand out. Yeah. It's like a zombie movie. You, you, you know, you want to do something different. So what, what kind of film is triple Xmas because yeah. Christmas horror movies, uh, they can be silly. They can be very gory. So what's like the tone? So for me, I think like, I think deliberately trying to create like a B movie is so tough. I think treat it like you're making a real movie, a serious movie, but then make what's on the paper. Some of the dialogue, some of the moments funny in themselves. Uh, One thing that I'm completely fine with disclosing is like Santa's weakness. in this is milk and cookies. 100%. Right. It fucking makes sense, right? Like yeah. that, that, that's that's a that's a real thing. Why wouldn't we, you know, take advantage of that? <laughs> um, but I mean, the characters. I try to make the characters as real as possible. Um, I try to give them dialogue that would make sense for those those characters. You know, mm-hmm. everyone has different motivations, and everyone has a different you know background. So I try to flesh out the characters. You know, like not just give the actors. You know uh what's in the script i try to read backgrounds for all of the characters even characters that are only on screen for two or three or four pages mm-hmm. i try you know in my head that character has a background i i write something up so like approaching it in a serious manner with doing the best job possible but then kind of making the dialogue and some of the moments kind of over the top i think that's where the magic kind of kind of the mix of both worlds comes into play I agree totally. If you go out and try to make a like a campy movie, to me, it almost always fails. Yep. Because the campy movies that we grew up liking, like you said, they went out, they try to make their best movie, and it's still entertaining. But you know, there's it might be uh, you know, the budget might not be there, whatever. But you could see that they were trying, and and yeah. like their enjoyment and their passion comes through. Yeah, I mean, if, if you watch if you watch my first movie, Fontaine, the Vengeful Nun Who Wouldn't Die, just the premise alone tells you what you're in for. Well, I think but, the name alone, yeah, yeah, right. That's and that was that was the idea. I had people telling me, "Oh, the name's too long, this and that," and I'm like, you know what? Like, it's a pure tribute. Like, I want people to know right away the poster and the name. You know what you're in for, right? You 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 know, and like when you turn this on, you should know what you're you're getting yourself into. <laughs> right. It's it's like a tribute to exploitation films, and like even still. I almost killed myself making this movie. Now I didn't do it by myself. Of course I had like up to 40 something people help me on that project, but I did my absolute best on it. Even on, even in the moments where things don't quite work, 
I tried my best. I know everybody involved tried their best, you know, and there's, there's moments where someone gets decapitated. You know, we didn't have a couple thousand dollars to have a, you know, a, a pour on someone's face to have like a, a mold. So it, it, it was, it was a cheaper head. So we shot it from behind and it kind of looks stupid in, in retrospect, but we knew going in, that's what we had to, that, that, you know, that's, we could either do that or we could do CGI. And I was like, I'd rather stick with as much practical effects as possible. That's kind of, you know, no like authenticity to it. Something I say on the show is I even bad looking or cheap uh, practical effects has a charm to it where oh, like sure. bad or cheap CG to me just looks bad. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I'm not, um, I'm not a naysayer when it comes to like CG. I, I do think CG has its place, uh, especially when used in conjunction with practical effects. Right. Um, there's tons of moments in films where people don't even realize that they're watching CG because it's so good, but all the bad CG stands out so much mm -hmm. and it just like hits you in the face like a fucking frying pan that, you know, it's like, yeah. it's like, because of that, you, you, you know, it, it leaves that bad taste in your mouth. You don't want to see it. Jurassic Park still holds up and that's a combination of, of like models. I know it's a giant budget, but still, no, it's a combination and, and of different things. It's not it's just all CG. It's 30 years old. Also, right. that's what th that was. That was why I made that face because it's 30 year old CG and it still holds up so well. Yeah, because a lot of movies from that era, a little bit after um, that were huge budgets, they don't hold up the CG. They, you can no. tell that they look very poor, even like giant budget movies. Yeah, if you if you look at the lawnmower man, like the virtual reality world that they create, it's like if you go back and watch that now, it's kind of I mean, I'm not making fun of the movie. I like the movie, but yeah. the, 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 the virtual reality world they created, it's so bad. I mean, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and there's something I mean, like, you know, that's what they had. That was also around 91 or two, I think, you know, that's what they had available. That's what they could do, you know, mm -hmm. um, but still, I, I prefer practical effects when possible. Um, Sometimes they're not possible, you know, right. but whenever I can, I'm always going to push everything to practical effects, not just because that's what I prefer, but it's also so much less of a pain in the ass in post-production. If I'm being honest, do you do your own editing? So I, yeah, I do edit my films. Um, yeah, I edit them and up to now I color grade them also. Um, that might be something in the future. I start handing off to someone else. I like editing them. Um, it helps me to shape the film the way I want to see it. It's, it's a weird thing because you really have to shift your mindset um, because you can get so super attached to what was shot and how much effort and time it took to shoot it. And you have to detach yourself from that and remind yourself that now it's about telling the story in the best way possible, not what it took to get those shots, but you know, yeah. So yeah. you were really even just like uh maybe it was fun doing it or something or yeah, you know what i mean yeah, uh, yeah. not everyone watching it was there so, that, so they won't know that right right yeah, yeah. It, that that's it's um I, I always compare it to kind of like an attorney that has um that represents themselves they have a fool for a client right like it, it, it's a very tricky i don't think everybody can edit their own stuff and i think there's times where even i have to step away from it for a couple of weeks and then come back you know it, it helps to step away from things and come back at a later time yeah my experience yeah. from doing the show and being friends with independent filmmakers a lot of the ones who are the most successful at editing their own stuff are editors by trade so they ah. could, so they have a better idea of how to look at it as just like i'm going to edit this yeah. And, yeah to make the best like stories like you said 
we so I, I started editing my second film we shot um our, our second film that we shot uh over the summer and i am so shocked at how much easier i'm about halfway done with it it's so much easier going into the second film as opposed to the first one like it's been so much smoother you know just be like you learn like what coverage you need that'll make everything just like it'll, it's just you know it's been it's just been so much smoother there's no other way to put it <laughs> right so uh what was your background in you know when you when you did your first movie did you have any background in filmmaking um i made about i would say between eight and 12 short films i guess it depends on what you consider a short film uh you know we, we had one short film that i felt really confident about um that was kind of like a prequel to fontaine uh it was like a 16 minute short and it was about a you know a nun with an eye patch and a katana and um and i liked how that turned out but it was the first time i worked with a dp uh it was the first time i worked with more people and was trying to tell a bigger story i had a, i had someone write the script i didn't write it myself um so then we stepped in so we were just going to make another short film actually and then i started looking at what the budget was going to be and i was like let's just make a feature instead and that it got out of hand pretty quick like yeah the, the our, our first film <laughs> like the budget tripled uh because of all these great big ideas that i had that you know i mean <laughs> with no money it's hard to do anything you right, know right. um but yeah so you know going in I, I i i didn't touch a camera until i was about 35 i'm 42 now mm -hmm. and then part of the part of the idea behind it was to network with other filmmakers or people that were in that realm and get more experience um you know i started shooting weddings so i started teaching myself cinematography but i was getting paid to do it as opposed to like going to a school i've i've actually worked with people that have went to several film schools and sometimes it blows me away by the lack of knowledge they have just about cameras because they're in school they're in film school but they're specializing in writing but they have no idea what like a couple three or four different functions on a camera do and it doesn't matter what camera you're holding they're all pretty much the same once you figure out what you know, the basics are you know yeah a lot of my friends who make uh films um a lot of them you know didn't go to most of them i would say the majority didn't go to film school and they right. learned on on sets of films you know maybe yeah. not ones they were making but um even a lot of people i know who worked for trauma they said that yeah. was like their film school was working on a trauma movie you know they made no money but the, yeah. you know uh they get to know people and they just get to see how a film is made yeah oh man i mean like being on someone else's film set and making no money would still be miles ahead of me spending you know forty thousand dollars on my right. first feature and making three thousand dollars back on it over the period of nine months you know yeah but i do see a way forward where i could end up breaking even on that i mean we're talking 10 15 years we're talking long haul and i knew going in i wasn't expecting to make the money back you know i had a number i hoped to to pull back so i could throw that into my next film um but even again if you break down what film school costs and you break down four years of film school you're not going to find you're not going to find a film there's school no guarantee after you do that it's not like a lot of other uh degrees like oh maybe i have a i can go into this field there's still no no guarantee you're going to make a movie after you go to film school and there's also like th that's the thing like at the end of my forty thousand dollars i had physical media i had a feature film that was streaming on major platforms when you go to film school you know they're not teaching you the ins and outs of how to find distribution or you know or like how to get how to get your film seen by anybody or the marketing which is a whole nother thing that's 
that's like the that's like the side of filmmaking that a lot of people including myself wait too long to learn and it really hurts them it's something i'm still learning you know yeah. um, well it also changes all the time because you know yeah. physical media starts to go away then there's a rise of streaming and then even that changes yeah yeah definitely what what platform you want to be on will change every i'd say three to five years based on what i'm seeing other filmmakers who've been around for 10 or 15 years what they say mm -hmm. um the best ones for the filmmaker versus the viewer is also not always going to be the same like ease of access is a big thing right now uh and i mean like some people crap on it but tubi is easily the best paying that's who that's what everyone i know says yeah it's it's the best paying service and it's also ease of access is nice because it's on you can get it on pretty much any smart tv and all tvs are smart at this point yeah, yeah. um and it, you have to watch ads that's the downside but you know even that when you are more hands-on with it and you like i used film hub which is an aggregator to put my film up mm -hmm. when you do that you get to choose within reason where the commercial breaks go so you know you can have a lot of control over these things you just have to know what you're doing yeah. or figure it out on the fly. <laughs> and it was not that long ago, like all the people I knew, you know, Amazon was great, but that yep. like totally, you know, yep. crashed for independent filmmakers. A lot of them can't even put their things up there anymore. Yeah. 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 No, Amazon used to pay amazing. Um, and you know, yeah, like you said, so Tubi is the, the spot now. And then in five years from now, I, I bet Tubi is not the one and maybe they are, that'd be awesome, but yeah. I bet they're not that they'll probably get enough viewers and enough people like, tuning in and then they'll start maybe doing their own original content or whatever. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. So it, it's an interesting dynamic and it's always shifting. You just have to be ready to pivot, I think. So a uh, triple Xmas, uh, how do you say yeah. it? Do you call it triple Xmas or XXXmas? I, I just call it XXXmas. Yeah. And I usually say it so fast that I trip over my, my, <laughs> my own words. Right. Right. I, I think either one works because you could say a yeah. triple X movie or anything. Yeah. 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 So uh, yeah. Yeah, the crowdfunding now. Uh, if the crowdfunding, we hope. Oh, obviously, you wanted to to get the money you're asked for. But if it doesn't uh, get the the go all the way, are you still going to make the movie? I don't know if we'll be able to. I kind of set the film up in a way where it's budgeted with, especially the practical effects. Like there, it's it's expensive to do those right. Um, so you know, if we don't reach the goal, the option we have is to extend the campaign and you can extend it up to 30 days but again i think the most i would extend it is probably seven days um i do have a potential pretty massive cast announcement coming up so i'm holding off on that um i don't want to jump ahead and say something that's not guaranteed but we're in talks with someone that would probably also help elevate its exposure oh, a little bit right um but i mean even the people the people we have involved don't get me wrong like drew marvick he's a indie film filmmaker and actor and he's just freaking amazing like he you know he played i don't know if you um pool party massacre you yeah, know, know like yeah 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 so you know he he's a cool guy yeah and then we have um just a great beard for santa he dude i i cannot grow facial hair like it just it gets patchy i'm joe dirt over here right, right? right and so like i have i have super beard envy with drew <laughs> uh -huh. uh, there's, there's no doubt about that <laughs> but we, we have jessa flux we have morgan thompson and we just have we have so many other people that are we, we have dolly lee who was a former adult actress in in the actual you know industry mm -hmm. and this is going to be her first film so it was kind of important to bring people in that had experience in the sex sex work industry uh they could bring an authenticity to it 
And they also, especially Dolly, Dolly was great at giving me feedback on the script. You know, um, I wrote the first draft and then I handed it off to my co-writer and he's been working on it because, you know, I can only do so much. I'm running an Indiegogo campaign. We're in pre-production, setting up everything, looking at locations. And my, my co-writer, Lewis, I worked with him on my first film and he's amazing. And he actually went to school for writing as opposed to me. I just sat down and started writing. <laughs> so he, he's really good at like tightening things up and, and, and just making everything better, you know? Um, but we took a bunch of Dolly's feedback and we were like, yeah, that clearly this needs attention or maybe this isn't exactly what it should be. Cause you know, like the thing that's a bummer is like a lot of people see sex workers and they just kind of see them as a commodity and you know, they're not, they're, they're every, we're, we're all humans. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, it, it's not the same. I'm not going to say it's the same. I have a janitorial company. That's what I do to make a living. And I have had people encounter me and treat me like a piece of shit, or they look at me like I'm someone that just empties their trash or scrubs their toilet, which is true. That is what I do, but that's not who I am. And that's not what defines me. And it's okay that I do that. And the same thing fucking applies to sex workers, you know, like, they're human beings. They're providing a service. There's lots of people that seem to be interested in it. So why are we dehumanizing them? Why are we treating them? You know, like it just doesn't make a sense. A lot of the a lot of the people who actually uh, spend their money on that are the ones who de who dehuman dehumanize them, which I always find very odd. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's it's an interesting dynamic for sure. But like you see all these comments, especially online, where people get super, they get super. Um, confident in themselves you know they they become the strong man in the in the online world and they think they can just say whatever they want and it's just anyway so there is a little bit of commentary with the film but ultimately on the surface what you're going to get is a killer santa who's had a breakdown uh we won't disclose why he had a breakdown but he had a breakdown and he starts targeting adult movie stars on a porn shoot and it's it's pretty crazy you know like i I find inspiration like I love splat stick. Like I love the movies like Dead Alive, Brain Dead, like Peter Jackson's movie. Yeah, big fan. That's one of my favorite movies of all time. Mm -hmm. when, when that guy comes in with the with, with the, the lawnmower. With the lawnmower yeah. yeah, yeah. I and and there's so many other parts. Um, so you know, like with, with Fontaine. Cheap plug. He's been on the show. What's that? <laughs> Cheap plug for the without your head. He's been on the show, not Peter Jackson, but the the lawn, guy with the lawnmower. Oh, nice. Nice. That's, that's too cool. That's too cool. You know, when we made, when we made Fontaine, I, I had to, I told Lewis, cause he, you know, he, he helped me write that. I said, we have to fit in. I mean, we have a nun with a katana, a killing people. We have to fit in the words you kick ass for the Lord. <laughs> right. I like, tried why? to get him on the show too. It didn't. Yeah. <laughs> but that's a great line. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, but like, and how many movies are you going to make where you can actually make that work? You know? Right. Right. I mean, where it's not just, you know, stuck in there and it doesn't, it doesn't really fit into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're talking to a nun that's killing, you know, gang members with a sword. I, th mm -hmm. I think we can make this work, you know, right, and right. I think it worked well. The funny thing is, is that the people that said the line and the people that were in that scene had never seen the movie. And I <laughs> right, think it right. actually works better that way because yeah. they didn't know they were paying homage to something that I mm -hmm. absolutely love. Yeah. And so they didn't like push that line harder or try to step into it or mm -hmm. emphasize it or make it funny. They just played it straight. Yeah. But and something like that, uh, because not everyone watching is going to know it either. So it, no, it has sure. to uh, work on both levels. Someone who has no idea yeah. and it just is funny and people who do know it's an extra little bonus for them. 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. But like, I I take so much inspiration from like Jackson's earlier work. Uh, I mean, Bad Taste and Dead Alive, and you know, this isn't Jackson, but like (laughs) Evil Dead Two. Like, I I I was so I have Derek Worley. He's a FX artist, and he's worked in tons of indie film. And dude is amazing. And we, when we were talking about it the first time on the phone, he was telling me that he wants to make it like his goriest film ever. And we were talking about, you know, how many gallons of blood we would need. And right now we're like between 10 and 12, which is, it, it's a good, you know, we're not on evil dead levels, but I mean, right, right. we have, we have a much smaller budget, so we can't make it rain blood. Uh-huh. <laughs> if we could, if I could, I probably would. I'm going to be honest with you. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah, our goal is to make it as gory as possible with some of the most like crazy kills and blood spraying everywhere and necks being broken and heads being ripped off. And yeah, I don't want to I don't want to say too much, but yeah, it's I, I'm pretty excited about it. And I, I think that's going to appeal to a lot of the gore hounds and the people that love the classic like 80s feel practical effects yeah um, which is really that's really made a comeback i think because a lot of people who grew up with that are at the age that they make their own movies now yeah yeah for sure the one thing i i never try to be negative or like talk down on anybody else and i'm not the one thing that i think some filmmakers miss and i'm sure i do it also is they try to recapture something they saw when they were younger i don't try to recapture something i saw when i was younger i have tons of tons of inspiration let's be i mean like you know tons but i'm not trying to typically now there's a couple instances but i try not to like recreate it like beat for beat because i have so many disadvantages against me one i you know i'm not peter jackson let's be honest here (laughs) you know and that movie has 30 40 years worth of being around for people to to check it out Mm -hmm. um but like using certain things that they used in a new fashion and telling my story the way i want to tell my story I think that's the way to do it. Like, you know, it's, it's like discovering a new color and then using that color to create something new, you know, instead of just trying to create the exact same thing they did. That That's, that's how I describe it anyway. Um, yeah. I don't know. No, I know. I, I think that makes sense and it works by the way, uh, Brian O'Toole in the chat, uh, producer of dog soldiers. He said, I would tell my screenwriting students that they are wasting their money at film school. Spend that money, buy a camera, and develop your style. Someone is going to buy Tubi and ruin it. <laughs> yeah. To be a downer there. But uh, he also mentions that uh, crowdfunding is so tricky. I don't know who actually gets the money they need. Too many bad people have ruined it for legit filmmakers. But um, I don't know. I know of a lot of people who uh, who have funded their movies through crowdfunding. I know I know three. That's what inspired um that's what inspired me to do it. I know three people. Um one's my co-host. Uh but I think it's harder. And I think even in the last, you know, nine nine days, I've learned so much that I would have done differently yeah. at the start of this one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just here, I don't think it's I, I do agree that there are some people who who took advantage of people and that that hurt. But another thing I think hurt is some a bigger name people use crowdfunding who who are like rob zombie not, nothing against him but someone on that level who's made a lot of movies would use crowdfunding and that would take up so much money that could have funded several movies by people who never would have a chance of making their own movie if it wasn't for crowdfunding yeah yeah i mean the same the same can be said about tax credits also though um there was something that just came out that in uh pennsylvania that uh, M. Night Shyamalan had, 
get, was awarded like five million in tax credits that was supposed to be set aside to like from what i understand like independent filmmakers well i always said that's a very broad term independent film it is low budget film because uh it could be uh you know a 10 million dollar budget is low budget but yeah. everyone yeah. i know that's like way beyond anything they'd, they'll ever make so you know, I, I ten thousand, fifty thousand, and then ten million is a big difference. I, I think the new term is micro budget, right, right? Right, and I think that's probably where most of us that that work that, that you know most of the people I hang out with or know right. or talk to or interview myself, we're all in the micro budget realm. Yeah, well, um, I remember I was at a Freight Fest. The first time I was at Freight Fest, and I was interviewing. I want to say his name, but I really liked this movie, and I meant it was a uh, it was like a claymation movie, and I was like. This hmm. looks amazing, you know, for, for your budget, because I assumed it was low budget because it's playing at a festival. And he was like, oh, well, you know, it actually costs 50 million. And I was like, what the hell? Like, what? what? <laughs> you spent 50 million on this and you're play, uh, you know, played at a fest, which is cool. It's at the festival. But in my mind, I was like, oh, well, I guess it, it looks fine for that. I yeah. Know. Yeah. It, it is weird that we hold a different set of standards, you know, um, from like an independent film or a micro budget film to something that's made by Marvel. You know, right. like, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I do the same thing. I'll, it, I try not to uh, say an independent movie is really bad if I think it's very bad, just because I know it costs like 10 grand or something. But if yeah, I go see yeah. a movie that costs hundreds of millions, you know, and it's not very good, I don't really feel bad saying that's not a very good movie. Yeah. I, I, in general, and it's been so hard, I try to always stay on the positive side of things. I try uh, not even, to talk anyone out of liking anything they like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's such a pet peeve of mine. And like someone that comes and tries to like steal your enjoyment from something that, cause like you're different than I am. You're going to like different things than I do, you know? Yeah. And like, that's just, and, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, you know? Yeah. Cause I also do a wrestling show and it's, that is huge in wrestling. It, it like, uh, there's a lot of wrestling fans who like hate other wrestling fans for liking wrestling. It's a very bizarre uh, fandom. Uh, A&P Productions, congrats on the launch of the campaign. What kind of perks are being offered? Yeah, yeah. First of all, I have to say, I know, I know uh, A&P Productions. That's okay. Paul. Uh, and uh, they currently have a film that's in uh, post-production murder size that you should have him on. Uh, he and Angie, they're both amazing filmmakers and uh some of the cast members that we have are actually in murder size. So oh, uh, I know yeah. murder size. That's what, yeah, uh, cause that's, uh, Kansas bowling is in it. That's correct. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's I yeah. Did a movie with Kansas bowling. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So, so, um, yeah. So, uh, some of the perks we're offering, um, everything from Blu-rays, DVDs, signed posters. We also have, um, associate producer perks. Uh, you can actually be in the film, um, screen worn, uh, wardrobe, um for all the perverts out there this is from the waist up just to be clear <laughs> um yeah so we're looking at shooting in february probably towards the tail end of february now and our goal is to of course release it around next christmas uh yeah that, that would be that yeah i mean that's yeah we're not going to release it in january of 2024 <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. so th that's our goal um yeah i think that's yeah, I think that's most of it. Um, we do have an executive producer credit if someone wants to jump in and like really help out. Uh, but a lot of our like we also have um, VHS tapes that we're offering. Oh, nice. Um, I think most of those are snatched up. I think we have one or two left. Uh, but yeah, 
so there's quite a quite a few different options for people to to check out you and, tell from my banners i'm a big fan of vhs so that's good. yeah yeah no, i don't no, no, um, even have a working VCR, i like the vhs uh I, I have a VCR somewhere, but I uh -huh. moved about seven months ago and it's in one of my boxes somewhere and I never right. took it out. So yeah, I, I, I need to, I have a whole, I have a whole shelf back here of VHS and yeah. actually what's holding it's my microphone hidden are, over here, but, uh, this is the first VHS tape. My mom bought me back in the eighties is a copy Creep of show? show back there. That's yeah. awesome. That's too cool. Yeah. I don't think the tape works anymore, but, but it's a cool, <laughs> uh, it's a cool box. It's the old claim show. Yeah, that's okay. I, I've seen a couple people make wall art out of yeah. the boxes and like, I, I want to do that, but I also don't want to give you don't up want to the, ruin the box. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, I need a duplicate, but then I need like the best ones duplicates. So I need two of, yeah, yeah. it's tough. <laughs> Someone I had on recently was talking about that and they were like, um, I think they were out in LA and they said like a, a thing now is people use like old CDs, uh, for coasters and like, oh, he yeah. just, he, he, he just can't bring himself to put like a drink down on it. And they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. They're worthless, but it's still like, he just, yeah, yeah he can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And he says, uh, thanks for mentioning murder size. So yeah, A&P, oh, uh, contact me and we'll uh, do something because I'm looking forward to that. I know a, a couple people involved. Murder size. Uh, let's see. Brian uh, wants to know if we've seen Scorned. I have not seen the movie Scorned. Scorned. I've heard of it. I've never seen it. No. Reality I guess as a reality oh. star cast, but I like that uh, you mentioned that has a social commentary because um, it's that's always weird to me that a lot of modern fans will get mad if a if a horror movie has social commentary because I think all genre since the beginning of uh, of time even before those movies almost all of them have social commentary in them like they might not be as obvious as others but that's yeah. always been a way especially like science fiction and horror to talk about that. You know underneath uh underneath the surface of the movie i i think it's a very tricky thing to do but for me what i've found is i don't focus on it i i, I keep it as subtext mm -hmm. right i still can make a gory film and a fun film and just a, a fucked up film because that's kind of that's mostly what i'm interested in but like still have the subtext you know yeah. i think with fontaine i had one or two reviewers, one in particular, who noticed one thing that was very, that I was, I did very deliberately with that film and only one person. And you know what? It still made my day that like he recognized it and he saw it and it, what set it apart from like other non-sploitation films, you know? Um, so I don't know. I just, I, I think that's interesting, like being able to do that and maybe people won't see those things and that's okay too. I don't need to shove it down their throat, but it's still something that it's still something I want to include. You have to, I think if you're going to make a film and you're going to spend a year or two years with it, you better have something that keeps bringing you back and keeping you invested in it outside of just enjoying filmmaking and just outside of like enjoying the gore. Mm -hmm. Like there has to be some sort of tie to it, like emotional Not, tie. I think. Yeah. I, I agree hundred percent. Cause you have to have the surface level, just you enjoy it as a movie, but if there's uh, something else there, it's interesting, but like you said, you don't want to push it up. You don't want to preach to someone in the movie. It's yeah. still a movie at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And everyone's going to see what they, you know, like once you once you release anything, it doesn't matter, painting, po poem, whatever, a, a story, a, a movie. It, once it's out there, it's not. It's no longer really what your intentions were. It's how someone perceives it or takes it in. You know, that's mm -hmm. it's 
it's interesting. You can't, yeah, you can't make someone see something. <laughs> how, how did you actually go about casting the movie uh, for the people you have so far? Like, did you send out, uh, did you contact them specifically for the roles or did you put something I, out I, there? I did. And this is my third film. So um, a lot of the local people I had talked to about it months in advance. Um, and I've worked with like Jonathan May. He's a stand-up comedian that's from St. Louis. And we've worked on three films before or three. Well, sorry, we worked on two films. He had really small cameos. And then we worked on a short film together where he was the lead. And he was just like, I love working with him. He's extremely talented and he brings levity every single time on set, both like on set and then with the character, he can make it funny. And so I wanted to make sure that I had him there and I know Drew is hilarious also, but he's playing a menacing Santa with these one-liners. So I needed someone that could play off of that and be funny. That wasn't menacing. And I knew that Jonathan may could, could do that. So because this is my third film and because I kind of already have a relationship with a lot of people, like when I have some, when I'm writing some characters, I'm writing them around the concept of this is who's going to play them for sure. Uh, including this time I was a little ambitious with a couple people and we'll wait to see how that plays out. But I definitely had a few names that, uh, are recognizable in the horror industry that like, I wrote the character around the desire that they would play the role, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, your previous movies, um, I know that you said they're on Tubi, but did you put them right to Tubi? Did you go to festivals? What did you do with them after they were finished? You know, festivals are a tricky thing for me. Like I, I, I don't feel like I have much of an ego and I feel like festivals and my opinions changing on this. So, <laughs> but I feel like festivals sometimes is just like a self-congratulatory. Let's, let's get in a circle and jerk each other off kind of thing. I don't need, and now I'm starting to come around a little bit and thinking maybe it's a good opportunity to network and meet it other filmmakers. Is. And so I'm a little more open to it. But the other caveat to that is if I do a year of film festivals, that's another year that my film isn't seen by anyone except film festivals, you know? And there's the added expense of applications for film festivals, which are anywhere between 35 and $100 to apply. That's just to apply, not guaranteed to get in. And then if you're going to take advantage of the networking aspect, uh, you have to be there, right? I mean, if you're not there, you're not networking, you know, your film could be there, but so, um, so no, the short answer is no, we did. Um, we did not submit to any, we submitted to like two festivals um, and we did a premiere for Fontaine uh, at the drive-in, which was my intention all oh, along. Oh, that's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was my intention all along because it was clearly a drive-in movie. 100% something that, you know, you, you would watch, it, it would be the B movie, but I didn't have an A movie yet. So, um, my goal is the last film we made, which is in post-production. Um, you know, our goal is to release that September of 2023, that if we do show again at a drive-in that it would play first and then Fontaine would play second and it would fill the spot of the B movie, you know, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I currently have a movie in the festivals and so, okay. uh, uh, it is a weird thing. Cause you also have to uh, know which festivals are worth, uh, submitting to, right? Because some of them will have, uh, nothing against them. There's, there's just other filmmakers there. And then yeah. there are some, uh, that there are actually a lot of people, uh, there and also people that represent, um, you know, someone from shutter is there, so, you know, so yeah. there, there's a lot you have to look into because there are so many festivals right now. 
So some of them might not be really worth. It depends what you're looking for too. Yeah. If you just want, like you said, if you just want to go and meet other filmmakers, um, you know, that's that that's great too. But uh, if you're actually looking to get distribution, then you have to look for something different. Yeah, yeah. You know, so we so we have a podcast called The Film Hacks, and we uh, we interview other filmmakers. And kind of part of the reasoning behind that was so that I could document the process of me learning over the period of making these films. Um, my co-host also is a filmmaker. And then we could interview other filmmakers and see what their process looked like. And people could learn from our mistakes. And then, you know, we could learn from other people's mistakes and kind of just share it, you know? And th- after talking to, you know, like 60, 70 filmmakers, I feel like my, my opinion on festivals has changed, but I'm, I don't know that applying to them is still in the cards. I, I it, it can really get very tough. expensive, especially that's another thing. Cause, um, yeah. some of them, you really, you know, you can submit to them, but really you have to know like someone involved yep. for your movie to actually get probably even seen, but get accepted. Yeah, no, th- th- that's, that's the factor. Also, I talked to a, a person that used to work to, for a distributor and then he kind of went off and started doing his own thing. And then he is in the process of making a pretty well-known documentary right now. That's kind of circulating. That's going to be coming out in you know the horror atmosphere. And he, um, he said that same thing and he was 100% correct. If you don't know someone, you know, you know, a lot, a lot of times they watch the first five minutes and it's not even necessarily someone that is going to make the decision. It's someone that gets to make the decision. If someone else is going to watch it and that person might make the decision. So you may not even be in front of the right person. You know, like you might just be in front of the the gatekeeper of sorts. And then unfortunately, there are a lot of scam festivals out there. So you have to kind of look into them and see you. Uh, some of them don't even really play any, anywhere. Like yeah. uh, they'll say they play and they, they just don't. And some of yeah. them people, can, you can just pay money to get an award. And there's a... Yeah. No, no, no. Totally. Yeah. 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 It's a tricky thing. So what what are your plans then for, for Triple Xmas? With regards to once so, you once you have it finished, you said you want to have it come out uh, next Christmas, but like where? Uh, that's you, the goal. Yeah, yeah, you know. So I have two avenues that I am looking at with regards to distribution. Um, so we went through Film Hub, and there's nothing wrong with Film Hub. I still do like Film Hub. Um, I've also seen a lot of filmmakers go through uh, indie rights, which is a very indie friendly, you know. Um, distribution company i think what you end up with with both of those is that the majority of the marketing is on you so if you don't understand how to market it or if you're not going to market it you're going to fail like the chances of it doing well is probably not very very good um i've also been recently introduced to a sales agent um which i have his information in multiple places but for the life of me i cannot remember his name i just know sean burkett uh who made uh, don't fuck in the woods oh, yeah, yeah. He's told me about sure, him yeah and I've seen him posting around Facebook. So he's someone I'm definitely going to pursue with regards to at least getting more information about releasing it. Um, I know I always have as a backup film hub, like that's going to, you know, I, I understand their process. I know their quality control checks. And so I, and I know how to make a quality product. And I don't mean that it's flawless. I mean that like, the poster design is done by someone that knows how to do poster design. So it looks professional. The sound design is not being done by my, my grandma in the garage. I'm paying someone to do it. That does sound design, you know, like these things make a difference if you don't know how to do it. 
I don't, I don't do Foley recording. It's, you know, I know a lot of independent filmmakers can and do a really good job. I'm not that guy, <laughs> you know, um, it just costs, it costs money, but like, so, so having the polished product is the first step for me. Um, and like I said, so either indie rights or a sales agent, I think either of those two would be really good options. Sometimes indie rights can also get you in other places to other streaming services um i've heard this through the grapevine from another filmmaker who just shot and is in post-production in a pretty big for like what we're talking you know towards the eighty thousand dollar range of film so i know that there's a lot of possibilities i think it depends on how much they believe in the product um and now, see now we're talking art versus product you know it's uh um, right, right. it, it, it sucks i hate calling it that but you really almost have to view it that way if you're gonna yeah, and it. my experience is usually, and this isn't, uh, there's always exceptions, but usually someone who's more uh, into the art aspect of a film knows less about the the uh, the finances and the business yeah. world. And then people who are more on the business end are usually less artistic. Yeah. So it, yeah. it's I, hard to, to have someone who knows both. Right, right. And I... I would love to not do any marketing and not know anything about the business at all because like I'm that that's my ideal goal is to eventually just make the films and have someone help me and handle that you know like I want to direct and write and maybe produce you know and then one day I want to help younger filmmakers and let them have their vision but also guide them a little bit so that you know, if they need help navigating the distribution or navigating what may play better, you know, there's so many small things that people don't think about. Um, I, we talked to a couple of filmmakers uh, that have worked with Asylum. And the one thing that Asylum does is when they write a script, when they have a script and they hand it over to a director, they already know in the script before it's ever shot what they need from that script, because that's the trailer. They have the trailer pre-planned in the script before it's ever shot. Like as a, as a micro budget filmmaker, as someone that's just starting off, you don't think about those things. You make your film and you're like, Oh yeah, Nani, a trailer. Right. Right. So you're already a couple steps behind. You're, you're doing things kind of in reverse, you know, like you're reverse engineering things. There's nothing wrong with that, but it always helps to be better prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Brian also mentions if you need a trustworthy distributor, hit him up. He may have right. some uh, leads. Uh, Brian, like I said, uh, producer of Dog Soldiers, which is a great film back in the day. Okay. Oh, I, I, I love Dog Soldiers. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's yeah, an amazing awesome. film. So what are some of your favorite Christmas War movies? Me? Uh, you know, I have a soft spot for Santa's Sleigh. I know it's not a great film necessarily, but that yeah, opening yeah. and like burning half a Fran Drescher's face off. Mm -hmm. When you have that voice coming at you, it's like, yes. Yes, come on, Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've had Goldberg on my wrestling show, and uh, he was just uh, he was just named the ugliest Santa in films, which what? I thought was uh, that's interesting. No, yeah, was like, what about that guy that was on Tales from the Crypt? No, yeah, no, that's exactly. Not yeah, it's, no, it's not uh, really no, handsome, no, dude. Yeah, either <laughs> one that the old movie, uh, the old movie, or the uh, or the newer or the newer episode from HBO. Either yeah, that's that's are, dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either of them yeah. are very handsome. Yeah. Yeah, Goldberg's much more ruggedly handsome than, than yeah, any of those versions. for sure, for sure. And I mean, like, I, I just saw the original Black Christmas a couple years ago, mm -hmm. but, like, it's obviously a classic for a reason. Oh, yeah. It's it's phenomenal. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. It's, it's moody, and it's like you never, you know, they have that, like, they have that 
the first person point of view from the killer, you know, and that like, just, I don't know. And it works really, really well. But then when you put it in perspective to think how old it is and like, they were doing that back then before now, it's really influential movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And to think that the, the same guy, didn't he also, what else did he make? He made, um, did he make that really like happy family Christmas movie also? I um, believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. a Christmas story, right? Yeah. 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 Which is yeah. very strange. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, the, <laughs> that's pretty funny. So I think those two are definitely up there. Um, there was an Australian one that just came out. Um, Better watch out. Yeah. That's a really good movie. Uh, that's that, that kind of mixes, you know, home alone a little yeah, bit. It's, a yeah. Little it's bit. almost yeah. like a, yeah. Like an adult home alone movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's so many, and as soon as I get off here, I'll think of five more that I love. But yeah, yeah. no. What what's uh, for me for the Christmas horror is like there's legit really good ones like by Christmas, and then even some of the goofier ones that aren't honestly aren't necessarily good movies, but they're entertaining. Yeah, yeah. This is a conversation that came up in our in our Facebook group, um, which you know it, it was it was really interesting. Um, I asked everyone what they preferred. Did they like the you know like the menacing? the menacing Santa or do they like the like funny kind of comedic Santa and most people kind of straddle both worlds where they want the menacing Santa when he's on the hunt, when he's attacking, right. but then they want the comedic relief afterwards with the one liners, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that that's definitely when I was writing the first draft of XXXmas, that's definitely what I was going for. Like full out, just ruthless killer. But then let's pause for a second because we need to have a little laugh before we get back into the serious, grotesque nastiness that we're, we're, we're putting on display here. You know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you mentioned poster art. Who did the poster art for uh, Triple Xmas? Because it's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So Holly Matney did it. She um, she's on Instagram. Um, I could find her handle here in a second. But um, she also did our Blu-ray cover uh, for Fontaine, the vengeful nun who wouldn't die. And she does great work. Um, you know, it, it's based off of a real photograph that was taken of Drew Marvick. Um, so on Insta, she's just at Holly Matney, H O L L I E M A T N E Y. She's done quite a few like t-shirt designs and Blu-ray covers and all kinds of poster work and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I've, went, I've, you know, we've, we've had her do a couple things for us. We also use um, someone I, I have to bring up also is uh, Chris Barnes with brutal posters. He does phenomenal work. He's done. I know he's done um, A&P productions, a couple of their films. He's definitely going to be doing some posters for me in the future. Uh, yeah. Again, back to having good key art, man. Like a pet peeve of mine is when you go and you pay $10,000 or $5,000 for a name for one or two days and you can't pay an artist six to $800 to design a really good killer like poster for you. Mm-hmm. You know, that's your calling card, you know, like. Yeah, yeah. I assume in the in the near future we're going to see a lot of AI poster art with uh, all this uh, AI. Definitely. Art. Yeah, yeah. I I, I definitely. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah. I, I I see that happening a lot. Um, the one thing that I th- well, yeah. I mean, it's getting so good, and now you can feed in. I know. That are, like, like I, I want to not be not uh you know not like it, but I can't deny a lot of it's very cool looking. Oh, I, I love a lot of it. I, I, I even was part of mid journey for a couple months, just looking for inspiration through mm-hmm. prompts that I would feed it and just to see what it could do. Um, I love it's hard because when you're an artist and you're self-financing, especially, or you're working with such a limited budget, you know, I, I get that you want to 
not spend as much, but I also want to support other artists as much as possible. Yeah. So I try to always, you know, and I, I think that's going to be a thing that I'll just continue to do. Plus, I think it's much easier to work with a real human when you want revisions, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, we do have a Facebook group, um, XXXmas Movie Group is what it goes by on Facebook. So you mm-hmm. can you could follow it there. That's that is the easiest way to get updates. Um, we post things there usually before we post them anywhere else r- related to the film. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more of a fan. I know uh, I have all the social medias because you have to kind of have them all, but I'm more of a Facebook guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I spent so long on Twitter and I just I, I don't hardly get any engagement anymore. I mean, like I do sometimes, but it's not it's not that great. Yeah, um, it's it's so frustrating knowing what will resonate with people, but not wanting to. I want to say sink to that level of like just being negative all the time or those hot takes, which is what seems to be what gets the clicks you know Uh uh-huh yeah 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 i always i don't know i just think it's harder to have actual conversation on uh like instagram's cool but i don't think there's really much conversation there it's mostly just this is a cool picture but you don't really sit there and talk yeah i'm definitely new to instagram it's something that um i've had for a handful of years but just started using the last year um yeah it's yeah and then like tiktok and there's so many things you know and i think my I, i just got on tiktok yeah yeah. yeah i had someone that's running a couple social media accounts for me uh she's a producer on the film and alice and she runs the slasher account and she runs the tiktok account because i just don't have time you know um it's just you know running all these other things and trying to still put out yeah, content uh, i run all my but it seems almost like like what am i i'm just posting the same thing on like on five different websites what's what's really the point of this but yeah 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 it's tough yeah even even like those social media managers they're like 100 bucks a month minimum to like keep everything rolling and i guess at some point it's worth it i just don't know if i'm quite there yet <laughs> yeah yeah i understand yeah. So uh Triple Xmas, you have the website. I'm calling it Triple Xmas. Yeah, uh, you can call it XXXmas. I don't know what to go which one is. you maybe put that <laughs> as a poll, triple Xmas or, or XXXmas. I don't know. Yeah, no, that, that's a good one. I'll have to use that later this week. Um yeah, no, there's um you can go to the Indiegogo site. Um we which I like you have xxxmas.com and it'll bring you right there. Yeah, 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 for sure. It's xxx-mus.com. Okay. Uh, yeah, and that'll take you right to the Indiegogo. And um, yeah, like there's tons of great perks, man. And there's also, if you don't see something that you've seen on other, you know, Indiegogos, message me, you know, um, and we'll see. There's secret perks. There's perks I can add. You know, I'm open to most reasonable things as long as it's respectful and not going to be, you know, we're not we're not having people on set during like nudity, you know, when nudity is being shot and, and anything that's safety related, it's not, it's, it's not a negotiable for me, but everything else is pretty reasonable. Like scrubs, you know, screen worn wardrobe. And we even have movie props, like, you know, like um, some of the knives we'll be using oh, and so cool. forth. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and yeah. It, I'm thinking about adding like some of the prosthetics we're going to use uh, oh, for some fun. of the characters. So you can kind of have some of the gore that came from the film itself, which would be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the same FX team like that you've used on your previous films? So, uh, so I've had Hannah Richard uh, work on my first two films, and they will be back, but they'll be working with Derek. Uh, Derek is definitely taking the lead on this one. Um, Hannah's worked on three or four films, two of which were mine, and they have done a great job. Uh, but 
the last film in particular, which wasn't super heavy on gore, but had had quite a bit. It was too much for one person. Um, the one day they ended up being on their feet for 11, 12 hours straight. And then I found out at the end, they didn't even get a chance to eat lunch. And like, I knew that we were, you know, you can't, you can't do that to people. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know that I was too busy handling my own thing and dealing with things. And like, I, I never want that to be a scenario. So I knew having Derek involved would also elevate what we were capable of because he can do a lot of pores and molds that we haven't been, had access to in the past. Um, so we can, we, we can incorporate the gore. We have a bigger team so we can do more gore and then we can do more overall because he has the experience of working with more materials, you know? So it's kind of nice. We can do more customized, um, kills, you know, if that makes sense, you know? So well, the kills are these things you've thought about like o over the years, uh, yeah, so I, I was talking to someone who's working on the film and she she's she's just acting in it, but she also has a little bit of background with some makeup. And she was telling me, um, so to partially answer your question here, she has a kill journal. <laughs> oh, really? That's <laughs> which I had never I had never thought of that. No, I was laughing. I, like I was it, like, though. I need to I need to do it sounds that. Sounds like a person, yeah, I'd like to know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was like, why have I never like I have kills in my head from other projects we haven't used. Right. So some, yes. And some as I was writing, it just seems so natural. Oh, of course Santa would kill someone this way. Or of course, in this moment, this is the death. You know, like this mm. this ha this person has to die this way. Um, but there have been a few that I've had for a while um that we just maybe didn't have the means to accomplish them, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and there's some that are you know, they're going to be used in a new way, but they're clearly inspired by some of my favorites, you know? Very cool. All right. So xxx-mass.com will bring you right to the um, Indiegogo. Yeah. Indiegogo. And uh, here we go. We've got a uh, a sex bot in the chat. This is a sex oh, nice. bot, not, not a sex worker. So we'll uh, we'll ban them here in the chat. But go there and you can, uh, you can donate. Uh, and get, help get the movie made. You can be in it. You can be a producer. You could get cool stuff. Yeah, there's t there's t like tons of Blu-rays available. Um, you know, VHS, DVDs. There's all kinds of options. Yeah, very cool. And I'm looking for. I I've not seen your previous films, and I'm gonna uh, check them out because I'm very curious. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you'll have fun with Fontaine. You know, it's it's an adult movie with some adult content. You don't want to bring your kids to watch this film. I have it's, no kids. So you don't have to worry yeah. About that. Well, there you go. No no concerns there. Right. <laughs> No, but no, I, I like, I saw the trailer uh, when we were setting this up and I'm looking yeah. forward to checking it out. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to triple Xmas, not just because you're here, but uh, I like uh, Christmas horror and you seem like a good guy and it sounds like a fun movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pumped to work on this, man. Like just the people involved. It's, it's an amazing team, both behind the scenes and in front of the camera. And I think some of them everybody involved has such like charisma. It's going to shine through in their performance. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And I want to thank you for coming on and uh, maybe we can do it again when the movie's out. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much. Yeah. yeah thank you. All right. I'm going to, uh, I have music of the month to play here. Uh, Theophobia will play. We're going to play that. And then uh, we'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow actually, but uh, thank you for doing the show. Thanks. Had insane. I knew him for years, but he never remembered my name. 
you fall I tell him count to ten Keep on counting but he's never getting back up again Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being in the chat. And I'll be back tomorrow with uh, the director of Scare Package 2, which is playing right now on Shutter. I didn't write the second, so, so go watch it. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs>